Hi, Athar. Welcome to Network Capital. We are really excited to have you with us. Through the podcast, we speak to leaders in different fields and try and understand what motivates them and why they do what they do. Your career has been an inspiration to millions in India. That's why we thought of reaching out and having a conversation. So, Asar, could you get us started by telling us what you do today? First of all, thank you so much, Utkarsh, for having me. Uh, I, I have listened to a couple of podcasts uh, which uh, you shared with me a few days back, and I have personally found them so exciting and so beneficial. I'm sure maybe we could have something meaningful out of this conversation as well. So, again, before starting, thank you so much for having me. Entirely our pleasure, Arthur. Thank you. So, yeah, how did you get to doing what you're doing today? Uh, so, it's a, um, uh, I think my story is a little, uh, not very strange, but uh, a little unusual in the sense that uh, back in my school days, I wanted to become a doctor. So, even my parents wanted me to become a doctor. And I appeared in uh, the pre-medical the pre examinations that we have. And initially, I joined uh, the government medical college in Jammu also for MBBS course. But uh, at the same time, I was also pursuing mathematics. I was having uh, mathematics and biology in my class 11th and 12th. So then I also got an admi admission in IIT. And then I decided that I wanted to shift from uh, medical and join IIT. The reason, um, I think, at that point of time, uh, was probably uh, that in JNK in Kashmir, very few students were uh, uh, studying in IITs. IITs was a, some some sort of a big thing for us. So there was huge. Um, it was sort of a dream that if uh, one can get admission in an IIT. So that, that was one thing, one major reason why I decided to quit uh, the medical school and join IIT. So in uh, in IIT Monday, I joined electrical engineering. Uh, I think mostly things were going well. I was my CGPAs and everything were, were were pretty good. At some point of time, I decided that I would go for higher studies. That was the initial thinking. Uh, higher studies in what? What were you planning? I wanted to. I, I was want to do MS in uh, one of the subjects, uh, specialization in one of the engineering subjects only. I had a little bit of inclination towards AI and. Uh, uh, cognitive modeling. I had done a couple of courses in cognitive modeling and it was the initial thought I wanted to do that. I see. But uh, the, the happy coincidence of sorts happened when I was in my last year uh, after we completed our seventh semester. <coughs> so I was back in, uh, during my uh, vacations, during our uh, semester break, I was at my home, then having this conversation with my grandfather. So, and I was telling him that this is what I want to do. Uh, then during this conversation, then he told me something like this. He said, okay, so what's it? You know, why do you want to do or go for higher studies? I said, no, that's a great opportunity. One would be qualified enough. Say if I work, if I get, uh, get to study in some foreign university, obviously it's a, it's a good, good improvement in the skill set. I can get uh, an opportunity to work in some big multinational, etc. Then there, there was one uh, question he asked me. In fact, in, uh, that was a little, uh, not exactly a question, but just a, a statement in the form of a question. Right. Uh, he said, you know, uh, from this place, uh, you're the only person who has 
been who has joined NIIT? I said, yes. He said, so now you have to carry your two choices in front of you. One choice is to like rise, do well, work in US, maybe make a lot of money and live a wonderful life. So that is you. Another choice is maybe if you can think of coming back, staying in the country and not only inspiring the people around you, but also trying to actually do something for the people who did not have the same opportunity as you could. So uh, I think this got me thinking to a lot extent, not that the other profession or maybe high studies uh, in somewhere or joining a multinational would have been a bad option as a career, but yeah. something probably at that point of time, I realized probably uh, I want uh, something different, something else. And that's at that point of time, I realized civil service is something that really that I really wanted to pursue. So this was uh, the third year or the fourth year uh, it was you had this it was the, it was the fourth fourth year. In fact, I already had a couple of pre-placement offers at that point of time, and uh, but which I refused. Uh, so you were thinking of MS. You already had jobs, but yes. only in the final year, after this defining conversation with your grandfather, yes, um, you decided to start preparing for the Indian Administrative Service, the UPSC exam. Yes, yes. And it, it also had, uh, maybe the, the conversation had so much of impact on me. The big reason was also the place where I came from. Right. Anandana is uh, seen as one of the most uh, disturbed districts in JNK. Right. And, uh, and I was fortunate and lucky enough that I could get into an IIT. I could get into a medical school before that, from that very place. And I could see many of my friends who used to work, who used to um, study with me in my school they were they had just left school some had dropped out uh, some had uh, done a graduation and was just uh, unemployed so even a couple of my friends who, who were doing much better in school than me they they unfortunately their story was also uh, also like that so then this was you know this uh, this something uh, it made me think that probably things have been a lot unfair probably had those people also gotten that opportunity had uh, they also gotten a bit of guidance or help, probably they would have done much better than me. So then I I, I decided that no, it's uh, let's let's try something different. Let's try to give it back to the society, and let's try to find out uh, some way to do that. So I'm going to actually focus on this sentence and try and you know look at your life before that. So how was school and how was college? Were you always a good student? Um, how was school different from college? What were your learnings there? Uh, I think when my schooling, I'm not very fond of my school. This is a very strange statement, but somehow looking at, looking uh, you know, back at it now, probably uh, th that school, those days were not those memorable. The reason being... Uh, I was in a school, for example, so the roll numbers they would allot us during a, for a year were depending on uh, the position or the rank we got in the examination. So if I somebody was rank one, he would get roll number one. If somebody was rank last, he would get roll number 30. So somehow right. those of us who were not doing much better, so our roll yeah. numbers were always a tag that throughout the year they would uh, remind, remind us that probably you are not good enough. So then at the same time, that's one side of it. Another side was uh, the corporal punishment. And that was still, I think, the order of the day at that point of time. 
sports and other extracurricular activities they were a rarity so in, in looking at it from the hindsight i probably think that was not a best place to be as a as a as a uh, as a student uh, i'm saying this not to disrespect any of my teachers or that institution they have had i i'm sure bestest of the intentions in their mind and their work their hard work i i don't think there's anything to question about but because now i am in the administrative service i see schools i look at it from a different perspective that's why i don't want to you know go by uh, just uh, flattering uh, the schooling that i had i have learned a lot during uh, my schooling i have learned a lot the way i was schooled and mm-hmm. now i am actually trying to make certain things right probably uh, which should have been at that point of time but in contrast to this my college was an extremely wonderful opportunity yeah. iit mundi was a new institution uh, it had uh, we when we reached the um, i think the mundi town for the first time uh, mm-hmm. nobody had heard of iit mundi even in mundi uh, itself so i see the campus was starting it was in a rented building then uh, gradually they uh, the in its own campus small small building started to come up so i was in the second batch so being a new institute being a new college it was a lot of it, you don't have any tradition actually there's no culture there's no tradition you are the ones who are going you are the trend setters so that was a wonderful thing that one could grow along with the institute there was nothing uh, forced on us so in every for example if we started a small uh, cultural evening it became a huge fest we got an opportunity to name our hostels they are big in big buildings right now and they have the names that we had put them similarly courses and teachers because it was a very small uh, institute very few people were there the whole fraternity was close knit the director the, uh, the the faculty the students they were like sort of equals and um, the i uh, sharing of ideas the way of learning that was very smooth so i i think i i would attribute a lot to the new iit where i was in to whatever i have learned i'm not i don't know whether i would have learned the same things in the same way had i been in some uh, other established institution so you were a part of an institution that was still you know finding its feet building its culture and you were uh, you were happy to be there um but in terms of how you spent most of your four years doing were you academically inclined or were you somebody who was trying to balance both academia and the cultural activities uh i think i was a little bit more inclined towards acad- uh, academia academics uh my as i told you the cgp was fairly good i would uh, whenever i got an opportunity to work with some professor or take up some project i will do that but at the same time i also uh, tried my best to uh, sort of take part in cultural activities i was the cultural secretary in one of the hostels then i would in every cultural evening almost i would do the anchoring of the event uh, so uh, th- that was the reason again because we were just 100 students and so anybody who was willing out of those 100 they were not too there was not too much of competition for those mm-hmm. cultural activities so that was that was that that was but at the same time i think i got a very good opportunity to read a lot of books in the sense that during my school days back in kashmir uh, unfortunately we did not have a good library in the school so i was really not much exposed to books or literature but in in college we had a small uh, we started with a small uh, library we called it booknook 
so right. that gave, yes so that gave an opportunity to read uh, books uh, fiction non fiction and uh, that also opened up a huge huge universe universe for me libraries are so important i mean i i owe a lot of my writing writing and reading habits to library that is why like you know network capital is now setting up uh, libraries uh, in different parts starting with delhi and london but the idea or the vision or the dream is to basically build a library in every neighborhood you know why should libraries be only open to you know certain kind yes, of people yes. should make them as accessible as possible absolutely so we'll discuss that um so yeah now jumping forward to the fourth year you had that conversation with your grandfather and uh, did you immediately decide to change course or what was going on in your head and what how did you spend your final year uh, i think not not immediately but this got me thinking this got me really thinking uh, i remember i left that uh, left my home uh, during that vacation when i was in school i was evaluating it every day i was talking to people some uh, were in civil services i was talking to my professors i was surfing the net looking at the, the articles people had written there was uh, incidentally one nice debate on um, on youtube probably some ndtv debate back somewhere uh, bsr subramanian was one of the participants so they were discussing this you know which career option is better where uh, which, which is more impactful so uh, i i started exploring it a bit then I, and after be quite bit of a research and i finally made this uh, decision that uh, i think civil services is what i should go for so it was a very conscious decision after that so that the conversation with my grandfather that sort of became that ignition point where i started to consciously actually think this what should i do and what i should not do probably before that mostly because engineering colleges normally uh, this is a trend either you want to join some multinational company or you go for higher studies some go for mbas so that's a usual trend and probably i was also in that uh, category till then but at that point of time uh, i actually started uh, putting an effort in understanding uh, what's it that i i should actually do and which month was this in the final year when you had this conversation uh, it was it was december it was december are uh, in the three months december january and february we used to have winter vacation because mondays in himachal pradesh and we used to have slightly harsher winters so yeah. we used to have winter vacation rather than summer vacation those days yeah. probably they have changed it now but at that point of time it was like that so in december in um, around mid december our semester had ended and after that i went home and during that time i had this conversation and uh, then you started preparing i i imagine when is the upsc first exam when when does that take place yeah so uh, then what happened was uh, after that i came to delhi in december itself so in this i went to uh, this place in karolbag um, there are a lot of coaching institutions institutes yeah. bag yeah. a lot of people prepare there so yeah. i visited a few coaching institutes just to know what all is going on and uh, one of the institutes uh, which is more popular one i visited yeah. there and they told that their batch had started in earlier i i guess in june in june right. and other batches had started in october the exam yeah. was going to be held in it was going to be held in may yeah, yeah. so, so the may, were, you had about 5 months of preparation time right yes 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 yeah 
so then i joined i joined the uh, one of the institutes during that 2 3 months of my winter vacation that i had so january and february i was in delhi i joined some classes there got some material and after that um, in march our last semester in college had started so i went back to my college with all that material so then i started preparing side by side yeah so um basically if i'm hearing you correctly you had 5 ma- months to prepare for your civils that's it right yes, 5 months for, for your yes for the first uh, preliminary examination because after preliminary examination we have the main examination and between the pre and mains there are few months so because the exam itself is spread over um, almost 7 8 months so in for example yeah. if, if pre is in may or say sometimes it's in august also so yeah. then uh, the main examination would be in december so you also get time between the pre and mains to uh, prepare for the other other part of the exam but needless to say i mean the preliminary exam is also the syllabus is really vast and not exactly like an engineering curriculum so could you tell us how did you uh, divide your day so that you were able to consume absorb such a vast amount of information what were some best practices that you employed uh the first thing i think uh, this has been my strategy right from the beginning before starting pre- preparation for any examination i spent time trying to understand what this examination is all about the examination syllabus is of big help uh, say if it's a, if whether it is upsc civil service examination or the cat the exam syllabus is quite uh, elaborate so i for the, the thing first thing from which i started was getting a copy of exam syllabus going through every bit of it whatever is there whatever um, is in the syllabus what topics are being covered it's quite huge quite long but at least i got a perspective of what all i have to cover and how much i have to cover so uh, so that also then uh, so that was the first step that was the first step and uh, then what second, happened second step was uh, i also got hold of all old papers previous 10 year papers both of pre and as well as main examination see this gave a fairly good idea what is actually asked what is the pattern of examination what uh-huh. one should expect from the uh, from the from the examiners so that again was uh, the beginning part the second th- second step was to get the right study material there are a number of good coaching institutes whose material is available everywhere it's available in delhi and other places also so i got the textbooks which i should read uh, so and the some other study material which was there and the third thing i did was i started to plan i made my study uh, timetables there was a daily timetable i had a i had put some weekly targets and monthly targets and right. then that i tried to follow as religiously as i could could you share a, uh, your what would say an average day look like and i know every day would be different but um, through this question i want to understand how should people working towards an ambitious target uh yeah. this decide how to spend their day okay so uh, there are there were two kinds of days that i had one is when i it was completely off during those sort of vacations when i was not in the college uh, those days my regular schedule would be i would get up at around 6:30 and by 7 o'clock uh, i would start my uh, reading my my studies so 7 to 9 i had exclusively kept for reading newspapers Mm-hmm. Uh, two, two hours of new two hours per newspapers is extremely important for an examination like upsc because current affairs is somehow uh, central to this examination right. and 
newspaper is probably the best source for uh, current affairs that we have as of now magazines yeah. of they are a supplement but newspapers something they they give a very good perspective uh, you can see what all is happening around the country how is our economy doing there's page on national issues there was there's a world page what are the major world world crisis going on so on day to day basis you can follow them you can track them then you also try to make some notes because um, uh, the as as i said the syllabus is so vast that it's not possible to remember everything so you need to revise things at a later point of time so making notes is again very important so i would make notes as well as read newspaper during the first slot that i had kept around from 7 to 9 at 9 i would have a cup of tea and if i have to attend some classes uh, that were roughly around some 10 to 12 i would go and attend those classes after yeah. that again a small break and then i would read one particular subject for around 3 4 hours complete at least try to complete one particular topic so then and you would set sit at a at a stretch for 3 yeah, to 4 hours at a stretch for at least 3 hours then take a break after roughly around 2 hours after 2 hours i would take a break Um, but the the study time during those days would be from seven in the morning till around eleven in the night, so that's how it would go. And filled with small breaks in the middle. Yes, yes, yes. Did you and enjoy then, preparing for the civil uh, prelims, or yes, was it a burden? No, it was not a burden at all. I I think I really enjoyed it. It uh, somehow what happens is. Uh, there's a little difference in what we are preparing here for civil services as compared to what we are preparing for some other examination uh, say uh, quantitative reasoning one would maybe make it really bold solving all those sums for a while which probably yeah. may not make much sense to you but when you are reading say uh, you are reading uh, say middle some crisis uh, say syrian crisis you are reading about syrian crisis and mm-hmm. uh, you keep on reading and there's so much of excitement okay what's going on what what has happened next what has happened next and you yeah. actually feel so much enriched every day and i i found that thing really addictive similarly if you're reading economics and you're reading monetary policy okay this is what has happened inflation is here and now this is rbi is doing some rate cuts and then uh, this is how uh, our government is responding to it and so on and so forth so all these things they you you after staying there and reading for around 3 hours you know that after 3 hours you are you are a more informed person now than you were 3 hours before and yeah. this is something really remarkable about this examination um, similarly uh, you are reading about social issues you are reading about gender issues you are reading about the uh, issue, uh, child related issues and then they have a huge impact on you you understand the kind of challenges that we are facing the kind of social disparities we are facing and they 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 change you as a person and that's why i i, I think i have really enjoyed and uh, enjoyed this preparation and had i not been selected i would have been even uh, i would have been very happy for spending or putting in my one or two years in this preparation so you um uh, you covered this through a lot of discipline and really trying to understand uh, what the exam is really trying to ask um and so you i would imagine you go back to mundi finish your final term exams concomitantly you're preparing for these civil services uh, prelims so you take yes. the civil services exam did you have a good feeling did you think you did well um yes i think i think i think i uh, b- b- because uh, uh when the when I, when i had written my preliminary examination i started preparing for the my main examination the very next day 
the reason was uh, i when i saw the paper and how i had performed i was very fairly confident that i get through this preliminary examination so uh, did you get a rank in the preliminary exam or did you get normally preliminary the examination there is not a rank it's only qualifying examination so it's only uh, by, by clearing the examination the marks don't count it's only that you are eligible for the main examination which is the actual examination where you, you where you get the marks and everything and do you have to select a subject or two for the for the uh, mains examination Yes, yes, yes. That's again a really interesting story. I had uh, taken uh, earlier. There used to be two optional subjects. So one had to uh, write uh, some papers of general studies of history, geography, current affairs, environment, art and culture. They were in the part of the general. And people also had to choose two optional subjects. So they are specialized, uh, specialized papers. And but at our time, the uh, one paper was cut down. so we had only one subject to choose and i had taken philosophy as my optional okay paper. yes so you started and why did you pick philosophy um uh it had couple of reason one reason was when we were in college uh, we used to have some humanities courses and one of those courses i had taken was socio political philosophy we had a, we had a professor professor subramaniam he was a scholar in german philosophy so he had taken this course and uh, i had um, signed up for that course and this was somehow in at the back of my mind that probably i have a little bit of initiation into this subject the other reason was when i was exploring what option to take i found that the syllabus of philosophy is slightly smaller slightly lesser because mm. i had is because you had time so little prepare. time Yes, so I thought probably I would be able to uh, work, uh, do this. I will be able to um, uh, take this as an optional. So these were the two main criteria that I yeah. that I. Yeah, but of course the syllabus is huge. Like I have, I have seen some people take years and years and years of preparing and taking the exam again. So uh, one has to keep a lot of factors in mind. So you've. big philosophy and uh, how much time did you have to prepare for the mains examination and how did you prepare uh, we had around 3 4 months right but uh, then uh, this is a little what happened was my general studies i had because i had been preparing it before the preliminary examination also so it was can i can i uh, can i just add for the benefit of our international audience Yes, so yes. when Athar is talking about philosophy, he doesn't mean Indian philosophy or Western philosophy. Basically, as much as I understand, they can ask anything under the sun as part of the question paper. Athar, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, yes. It has a. Uh, it has actually three, four parts to right. uh, in this exam. In, in, in this exam, the first part is Indian philosophy. So where hmm. we discuss about Indian philosophers, uh, like uh, say Mimamsa, Sankhya, uh, the Uh, yogic philosophy the vedantic philosophers another part is western philosophy so where we start with socrates and plato and socrates and then uh, rationalism empiricism the modern and post modern philosophers so there's one part exclusively of indian philosophy one part exclusively of western philosophy then there is third part which is of socio political philosophy which is mostly the application or applied aspect of the philosophy or metaphysics and epistemology that we are studying and then there is fourth part which is philosophy of religion where we study the major religions of the world where we discuss most of the questions which somehow form the heart and soul of a religion 
or a or a fit so uh, these are the broadly four parts not a small people. syllabus one would say <laughs> not not a small not a small <laughs> one which i realized a little later once i had started reading it and preparing it though it was very interesting very uh, enriching but at the same time philosophy is such a thing that uh, you cannot just read it you know one in one go and or one reading is not enough enough you have to spend time trying to understand the uh, uh, the philosopher what is he trying to do every word has a different meaning for a different philosopher every concept has a different meaning for a different philosopher so there's a progression uh, among philosophers so as for example Uh, there was there's a Descartian philosophy. It has some loopholes. So Spinoza tried to come and uh, see, uh, uh, tried to come up with his own philosophy so that he could improve upon Descartian philosophy. Then there was Leibniz, who in turn came and found some loopholes in Spinoza's philosophy and tried to come up with his own version and improvement over the Spinoza. So um, th- those are all the things I think relatively uh, when we compare it with say history or any other subject where. it's mostly facts it's uh, in philosophy there's lot of uh, attention to detail lot of understanding is also involved and the good thing is that you still remember all of it which is awesome <laughs> no because after that i had to read it so many times that it somehow has 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 stuck to my mind but the best part which i which i which i am really happy about is uh, taking philosophy as an optional because i had no no background of uh, any of the humanity subjects per se because in my school uh, 11 12th we uh, in schools we hardly have anything in the name of actual uh, literature or actual philosophy in in 11th and 12th mostly sciences college it was engineering uh, yeah. but while after taking philosophy as an optional it sort of opened a open window to a very different universe so uh, philosophy is all around that's why probably we have doctors in philosophy in every subject so yeah it was it was it was it was a good thing and i'm really happy yeah. happy and what were you reading in terms of philosophy these four components that you described you could have read the original text you could have read interpretations uh, do you have any advice for people on what books to choose and what material to choose yeah there are both uh, things for example the original text but what happens is you need really sufficient time is time if you actually want to study philosophy from the original textbooks so yeah. original writings of the of the of the philosophers that's a little time consuming but not a bad but not not a bad idea. so it's um, anybody who is preparing for this examination or anybody who is reading philosophy so uh, there's a trade off there's a trade off one one is you have a time constraint and another is the kind the depth on the other axis we have the depth to which you can read particular philosopher so there is secondary lot of secondary textbooks for example western philosophy we read this um, book by vai masi a critical critique to the western philosophy by vai masi uh, or uh, we, uh, uh, we read bertrand russell so these uh, where we get a good insight into the different philosophers at one place so secondary textbooks are definitely uh, a, a big help similarly there are a lot of institutes also which provide material where by they have filtered out uh, what is important from the exam point of view and if you don't have time or you don't want to read too much then you can go with them also but i used a sort of mixed strategy number one was textbooks and the study material which is made available by different institutes 
that was there and at the same time i also uh, tried to read uh, the original philosophers as much as i could yeah so you had about 3 and a half months for your uh, uh, mains preparation um yes. when did you complete the first version of your like when did you say that okay my syllabus is complete now i should revise or was it something that you were doing alongside and were you making notes if yes um how did you like synthesize all of this yes uh, i think i was making notes alongside so whatever I, i used to read i had kept separate notebooks so topic wise i would make note my own notes after studying books and the revision was again a very periodic thing so if i read some new chapter today i would make sure that in within 3 4 days i can revise it because philosophy again as i told you is such a subject that if you don't maintain a continuity in what you are reading initially uh, there's a lot of chances that uh, things will slip out of your mind and you will have to revise read everything from the scratch again so i had this strategy that uh, i would keep on revising things repeatedly repeatedly got it so uh, the d day comes um how did you think you did on your mains examination and what mistakes do do you think that people make that you avoided uh, uh that day i think uh, the main examination is uh, it's spread over a few 5 6 4 5 days because there are around nine papers that we have to write the four of those papers are of general studies first paper is mostly about history and geography and sociology second paper is mostly about political science and national issues uh, third paper is more about economics and uh, uh, environment science science and technology that forms the third part fourth paper is a paper on ethics and aptitude then we have an essay paper also two language papers and finally two papers of the optional subject for example right. i had taken philosophy so two papers of philosophy so so you had to not only study philosophy in the three and a half months but all the other subjects yeah yes yes so our syllabus includes say economics we have to read uh, indian economy we have to read the uh, macroeconomics and microeconomics both uh, there's money market there is how the monetary policy works how the um, uh, how the fiscal policy works Uh, global trade world trade all original uh, organizations that all form part of it similarly in politics the constitution not only of india but also of many other countries the american constitution the uk constitution uh, similarly history indian history uh, ancient med- medieval modern world history also and uh, the uh, what we call as modern uh, period uh, in india between normally take from 1947 onwards that also forms part of it so it's quite almost everything under the sun but it was subjects are there <laughs> they form but interesting hopefully but very interesting, interesting. Yeah. very interesting so 4 5 days how did you think you did and if you say didn't do well on one particular paper or how did you bounce back yes i think uh, initial four papers were that of general studies and i think I, i i had this confidence that i have done really well because i did not miss any questions uh, here what normal miss normally the mistake people do is say we have 3 hours and we used to have 20 or 25 questions in a paper that we have to complete right. in 3 hours and there's a yeah. word limit also for every question so sometimes mm-hmm. what we do is we start and uh, we put lot of attention to the initial few questions Uh, yeah. but by the time we are we have reached the uh, 10th or 15th question our time is almost up 
So mm -hmm. the strategy which I adopted was I wanted to make sure that my question number one is as good as my question number 20. And yeah. so that was my strategy. I did not beat around the bush. I saw the question, tried to understand it, then um, try to try to answer to the point without um, putting any undue stuff into into my answers so that's probably the, the one thing that 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 so being helped. very pragmatic about all yes. questions, time what you're putting in yeah absolutely absolutely so then we also have essay essay is very important paper normally mm. it, um, it, general studies papers often what happens is most of the people do quite good but essay we have to write two essays and uh, one essay is roughly the word limit is around 1000 to 1500 words. So essay paper again. So normally one essay is a little philosophical um, kind. So they may give some philosophers quote and leave it there. Uh, the other essay is a little bit more of uh, say current affairs based. It's It may be about something which is going on around. It may be on say social media sometimes, science and technology something. So the two essays, again, we had to write. And I think uh, I did fairly well in those two essays also. So in essays, what I uh, the strategy I adopted was, say, uh, we had to write two essays in three hours. So that means about one and a half hours per one essay. So uh, before writing that essay, I spent almost 10, 15, 20 minutes first making up the outline in the uh, of, of, of the essay. So what is it that I, I'm going to start with? What would so 10 minutes each or 20 minutes each? 20 minutes each, 20 minutes each, at least 20 minutes each. Uh, wow. Trying to brainstorm what I'm going to write. So I would start normally writing the essay only when I had the conclusion in my mind, how I'm going to conclude this essay. So then I would I would start. And writing. why did you do that? That's really interesting, by the way. I mean, um, but tell me more about the thought process. So what, what normally happens is because you, are, you have to write, say, 1,500 words. And there's a given topic. The topic is what is there. So you choose one of the five topics and then decide to write on that. So when when you, you are normally writing a long write-up, there's tendency that you may, uh, say, deviate from what is the intention or what is the intent of the topic. So to avoid that, I would make sure that initially I make this outline. Then this, these are the things, these are the topics which I'm going to touch. These are the areas I'm going to cover. So that ensured that I don't deviate from the topic and I stick to the topic. And it make the, the write-up is more coherent and more much more in the line uh, with what the examiner is expecting. So that was the reason why I tried to spend my initial 20 minutes only brainstorming what I'm going to write. Made a brief rough outline of it. Uh, what what is going to be the conclusion and then started to write so it, it really helped me in that sense i think i could write both the essays uh, quite quite good that's awesome and your uh, those um, optional papers did they go well yeah optional papers but i wasn't very sure about them uh, the mm -hmm. thing what happened was in philosophy uh, you actually have to uh, uh, remember a lot of terminology you have to remember a lot of exact sentences also this is very true for Indian philosophy particularly. There's a lot of Sanskrit words are used in Indian philosophy. One have to use them verbatim because otherwise they wouldn't make make sense. So uh, you can't write in it uh, literally in your own uh, stuff. So you mm. have to use terminology of the philosopher. Because mm -hmm. I had probably less time, I could not revise it much. I sort of struggled a bit in, in, in philosophy at that point of time. I see. But like overall, your papers conclude and uh, 
when did you hear back that you've been invited for an interview uh it was about 2 months after that about 2 so months, months two months back yeah, two months after you hear back and you made it through the interview how did you feel and what what did you do next uh i was very elated but i would want to mention one thing here uh, the day i my main examination was over i did not uh, sit back i actually hmm. started preparing for my preliminary examination i see that's really good because you you thought that um you but might get in and get through if i get through wonderful uh, if i don't then i have to write the preliminary examination again so yeah. then i decided that i why not start preparing for the preliminary examination in case i have to write it i am well prepared in case i don't have to i am it's things are even good so that's what i did at that point of time so yeah so you basically um you were sure that if you if this didn't work out you will still not take your job or go for your masters but you will take the civil service examinations again yes yes absolutely absolutely okay got it so uh, uh, you started preparing and how did you prepare and uh, like uh, walk us through your interview preparation strategy okay uh, in upsc interview again like most of the interviews it's a personality test and uh, normally i focused on two areas number one is my bio data uh, normally at the time of our main examination we submit a detailed application form it has all the details where i have studied what i have studied which place i come from which village which district which state in india i come from uh what have i uh, studied during my graduation or during my college or university uh, what are my hobbies uh, what are my interests do i play some sports or not so all these things are uh, written in that um, detailed application form and normally when we go for the interview the interviewers there's a board uh, a board uh, of around six people they have a copy of that detailed application form in front of them and it forms a very integral part of whatever is asked in the interview say for example hobby so they somebody has written say uh, say carnatic music so they would ask about carnatic music a lot so this forms a very pet subject of pet area of uh, interviewers so i prepared my detailed application form quite in detail i tried to the time whatever time i had before my interview and that was around couple two months before the results of mains was out and the interview date had been assigned it was around yeah. two months in those two months i tried to know each and everything about uh, what i could gather say my name what is what is the meaning of this name right. my date so is there any significance to it my village where has wow that is really detailed yes my, like my, this kind of question but uh, <laughs> yes so my village so why what about my village how did it get its name my district so what are the important places in my district who are the important figures are there any historical incidents events or people uh, related to my so, district hey, my state there- yeah are you being paranoid or do like do these questions actually come up once a while uh they they i think they come up once a while and the idea is that probably one uh, if one expects to join uh, an indian administrative service one should know about himself quite well this is something probably uh, this is a fair something some it's a very fair thing to ask I see if i if i come if my name is amir i should know what does this mean if i don't yeah. know the meaning of a name that would be really uh, not high of me 
So similarly, JNK. Yeah, it's very different from, say, a lot of people say in the US who would like, if your name is Tom, it may not mean anything apart from the three letters coming together. Yeah, but that that also uh, one needs to have that clarity. Also, it's quite possible. Say um, his name is Jag, and that that word actually doesn't mean anything. But one has to be clear about whether it means anything or not. Yeah. So that similarly, <laughs> this state I come from, I, it's now a UT. We used to have a state of Jammu and Kashmir. Jammu and Kashmir again, it's a very politically very sensitive. It's been so much in the news. So they would ask about Jammu and Kashmir. Uh, in i also prepared about for example the handicrafts in my place in my district jnk is a known for its uh, you know, it's it's tourist places it's known for its handicrafts it's known for its culture its cuisine so i try to know more about it try to see these things i spent hours and hours i remember going to the shops in my in my in my district so there's a handicraft shop i would go and sit with that handicraftsman and try to understand okay what is this tell me more about this i even i did not know many of those things but the idea was to know as much as i can the another so part exam sort of forced you uh, or like rather was a forcing function that enabled you to know as much about yourself and about your uh, country and where you come from and all of that yeah this is uh, because i think these things have been routinely asked in the examination in the, mm-hmm. in the so anybody who's preparing for civil services knows that this is one area he has to prepare so uh, uh, probably the uh, starting point is not good but the end result here is really good that through the through this examination through this interview process whether the question is asked in the interview or not one is able to at least know more about the place where he comes from he's able to know more about the people uh, he is part of so that is one component of the interview or that yes, is that is, that is one 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 component okay. maybe okay. it's quite possible they may not, they may not ask anything from this background or biodata of a person another yeah. very interesting and most commonly asked aspect is the current affairs current issues so international relations international issues Uh, environment and uh, ecology uh, some national issues social issues they would ask about that also i remember when i my interview was there uh, they spent lot of time discussing with me uh, the syrian crisis the syrian crisis was in the news during those days it was lot more right. in the news so they would ask about okay tell us about uh, say who are the main players in in the syrian crisis tell us about what is this crisis all about what is the role of us what is the role of russia Uh, say similarly where does iran fit in what is the role of saudi arabia where do you see the international organizations uh, you know how, how what's their role what what is un doing do you think it, it it's uh, making any impact or not similarly libyan crisis would also started um, during those days so about Le- libyan crisis also ukraine crisis had slightly uh, sort of uh, mellowed down they talk spoke asked me about that also at the same times there were some issues uh, in india which were in the news uh, some related to judiciary uh, some uh, related to the, uh, the the general issues because the a couple of years back we had the nirbhaya rape issue which had taken the whole imagination of india then then they would ask a lot of questions about that about indian society also so athar is the a goal of the questions to know whether you know the subject or is it to know your opinion or is it to know your problem st- uh, problem solving methodology all of the above none of the above 
like how should the students who are thinking about it should think they should uh, go about i think it is all of the above mm-hmm. in the sense that say they uh, if there is something really important going on uh, they expect a person to know about it they if there's a major crisis going on they know that you have studied you have been preparing for a year you should at least know the basics about it so but at the same time they may be they may ask some other facts or about some other incidents or things which which one may not have come across and it's quite okay if one doesn't know them and we sometimes they ask a question and we say i'm sorry sir i don't know know about this i'm sorry ma'am i have never heard about it so that's quite absolutely quite okay and they in fact appreciate if one gives us very honest answer that you don't know uh that's one part and second part is they also try to discuss certain issues with you trying to know the underlying value system say for mm-hmm. example one they might start with uh, uh, say issue about whether um, indian army should allow uh, females in combat roles or not so mm. then a person may give try to uh, give some answer yes or no whatever his opinion is then they mm. would try to prod a little uh, you know dig a little bit on what one has answered trying to know whether this person actually believes in uh, equal uh, gender rights or he is just trying to make up an answer similarly uh, we, uh, whether it's a regional issue whether it's a, any political issue they sometimes ask a question they would uh, one answers and depending on what the answer is they would try to dig in it further so uh, to see what is the underlying value whether this person actually believes in democracy or not whether he believes that authoritarian rule is uh, is is more useful than democratic one so so my my uh, uh, here advice would be number one because see when we talk about certain principles or certain values be those uh, democracy be those uh, of equality uh, be, be, be those of humanism so all these values one should imbibe them as as a, as an individual rather than just trying to make up answers using these words and uh, then whatever question anybody asks he would always have a have a have a have a, have a very uh, you know balanced answer but uh, if a person does not actually believe in gender issues if he, if he actually does not believe in gender equality so I, i think after a series of questions he will end up saying what he actually believes in uh, fantastic advice uh, arthur um so your interview lasted how long and how did you think you did I think the interview lasts for around one hour forty-five. No, no, around forty-five minutes. Forty-five minutes. All right. Yeah. And uh, how did you think you did? Uh, I think I did pretty. Uh, I thought I did pretty well because um, there was um, the questions they asked. I could fairly answer. Uh, Try to answer every one of them. Uh, they asked me questions about J N K. They asked me questions about the handicrafts of J N K. Pashmina is Pashmina wool. Pashmina shawls are very famous in uh, Kashmir. They asked me about uh, Pashmina industry. How is it doing? What are the major challenges it's facing? Apples of, in of Kashmir are quite famous. So they asked me about apple industry also. There was one mm-hmm. very interesting question which one of the um, uh, interviewers asked was, "What has been the impact of globalization and liberalization on apple industry in Kashmir?" Mm-hmm. So, Well, and how did you how did you I'm not asking you to reproduce your answer but uh-huh. what was your mental model of solving so my, that problem uh, mental model was uh, first of all say uh, like any other sector uh, when we because apples are something i have grown up with them 
<laughs> I belong to an apple cultivating family. So while uh, now uh, apples could be exported to many other countries, but at the same time in, in Indian markets also we have apples coming from every other country. So while it has opened big, it had opened so much of market for our apples. It also had opened uh, market for other uh, countries also. Uh, so uh, now we had many more varieties of apples which we could grow in our place. Um, so it was a, it was sort of uh, the the mental so competition grows, consumer choice grows, price goes down. Yes. So it had uh, forced us to compete also. And it had at the same time made us feel a little scared whether you know we'll survive the the market competition or not. But at the yeah. same time, it also opened uh, opened a lot of opportunities for us as well. So the answer yeah. was in in, the, in this way, try to give a little uh, analysis about what positives the industry had um, achieved because of these and the negative aspect aspects also where uh, it had put it given a challenge to the industry per se. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a question that can be answered in very different ways. And hats off to you for thinking of all the things in forty-five minutes. Um, so you did well. Uh, when did you hear back from the, um, from the examination committee? Yeah, and, about, uh, about, uh, about another couple of months after that. Another couple. So they make us wait. The Indian Administrative Service. Uh, or UPSC yeah. committee, they make the yeah. application to wait. Yes, so the, 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 uh, the progression is like this. The pre in preliminary examination, almost around 7, 8 lakh people fill the application form. So from so that, that's, uh, so for, uh, so that's people, close to a million folks uh, for our international audience. I'm just yeah. translating that. It's close yes. to a million people take the exam. That almost, uh, yes. And then uh, the uh, they have to select, they select around, I guess, three times the number, around four or five thousand people for the main examination. Right. Around 10,000 people, in, in fact, for the main examination. Out of that, almost a million. And finally, for the interviews, they have to they select around 3,000 people. I so see. So from around 8 lakh to... So 3,000 out of... Uh, Basically, a million close to yes. get selected for the, for, the, yes. for the mains. For the, for the interviews. For, for the, the interview, interview, sorry. And yes. uh, out of the interview, how many people get placed in some position in the government? Roughly around 1,000. Roughly around 1,000. Out of those 1,000, uh, around one, 180 people are selected for the IAS, Indian Administrative Service. Around yeah. 30, 40 are selected for the Indian Foreign Service. Yeah. And another around 80, 90 are selected for the Indian Police Service. And then there are other allied services, including Indian Revenue Service, Indian uh, Defense Account Service, Civil Account Service, and others. So in, to, in, uh, in total, all the combined uh, is around 900 to 1100. It varies from year to year, depending on the vacancies. So how did you find out about your position? Walk, walk me through the exact moment because, you know, uh, I want yes. the, the listeners to know how this entire thing works. Uh, there's, a, there's a little, uh, one more twist was to the story. So the result, oh, came, in yeah, the result came in in September hmm. and I found my number was 570. It was, uh, it was 570, yes. Okay, yeah. And I was allotted Indian Railways Service. It's in, again... Okay not the IAS at that yeah. point. Yeah. So then, uh, my, I had a choice whether to join the service here or 
prepare again or write the exam again yeah. so then i decided to choose the second option i thought i'll write the examination again because i wanted to join the indian administrative service so you were not happy with a rank of 570 out of a million people yeah. so yes. you you decided to take the year off um, yeah but not not for the sake of not for the sake of rank personally but because, because you wanted to do it sure fair enough yeah. yes yes because the rank 570 and uh, landed me up in the indian railway traffic service which indian railway traffic service but i wanted to join the indian administrative service all right so, so um yeah so you sit down and basically go through this entire process <laughs> all over again yeah yes 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 and then the next year i got rank 2 so you stood second out of 1 million people and how did you find out that you stood second how did you react did you start screaming were your parents around how did you tell your no. folks and your family <laughs> actually i was in lucknow at that that day and we were expecting the results would be out in a couple of days so we'd be we have the upsc website open on our mobile phones all all day long trying to refresh it again and again maybe the result would be there it is declared on on its website on the website of upsc yeah union public service commission sense website so that day i was with my friends in lucknow there's an railways academy in fact there in lucknow i had uh, it, they given they've given option that if you want to write an examination again you can take leave for that period of time and after mm-hmm. that so i had joined that academy after i giving uh, my another interview the interview this time the second interview i had joined yeah. the service which was allotted first time after yeah. the second interview so at I that see. point it was in that academy hmm. so and uh, incidentally around 30 other friends of mine had also written the examination there i see then the result was out i was with my friends and uh, while scrolling down i found my name which was second in the list so the very moment i took out my phone called my dad and it it was he could not believe it and then uh, after that uh, i think it was a roller coaster ride after that so who was first the first was uh, tina dabi i see now my wife we both of us married after that Yeah, I was proud to celebrate the wedding of two of my friends. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. You were you were there to share the uh, no, no, joy. Of course, it was uh, it was really special. Uh, you know, Athar, I'm going to be changing course now because I think the first part of this interview is, of course, uh, to dive deeper into your student and preparation life. But now you are part of the Indian Administrative Service. Uh, you are trying to solve different problems, different uh, policy issues. Um, right. Uh, let's split this into two parts. One is this uh, academic, this training that you guys go through in uh, in uh, Masuri, I believe. Yes. What What is it like? How is structured? And um, in that, if there are some highlights you'd like to share, that'll be great. Yes, of course. Our training roughly goes for around two years. It's a two-year-long training. So you live and... in Masuri for two years. Uh, not not completely in Masuri for two years. So uh, the, the the training is divided into four parts. The first part is called foundation course. The foundation course uh, is around th- for three months for hundred days, 
and it's in uh, the, the entire time one has to spend in Masuri. In the, we have a Lal Bahadur Shastri National Academy of Administration. It's, in, yeah. it's an academy in Masuri, which is one of the hill towns in the northern part of our country. So there, uh, the, these first three months we have to spend. The highlight of this, these three, this foundation course is it is not separate. It's not separate for different services. As I told you that in, the, uh, in this examination, uh, people are selected for different services. One of them is Indian Administrative Service. The another is Indian Police Service. Another is in Foreign Service. Similarly, Indian Revenue Service. So uh, these five, ten services people are selected. And during this three-month foundation course, everybody is together. Everybody is in the same academy, same classrooms. They study same thing. And uh, this, uh, these three months are also filled with a lot of uh, activities like trekking, hiking, a lot of cultural activities. We go for about a week-long Himalayan trek. The groups entirely, they are made, uh, made of uh, the people mixed from different services. So the, the main focus during these three months is not on uh, academics per se. It's mostly on... Uh, building sort of camaraderie between the uh, uh, people who are selected in different services. It's about building that uh, team team building. It's about making friends. It's about it's about building those bonds uh, between each other. So this is the initial three months. And whatever is taught in the class, that is something a little bit more generic. Uh, some part of law, some economics, some management, which is equally helpful to people in all the services. So this is the first part, which is called foundation course. And this is the is most... Is this where you met Tina as well? Uh, Tina and you uh, met the foundation no, course? No, no. We, Tina and I had met, in fact, the, on the second day of uh, our result. Okay. The that's story is that your uh, the prime minister or uh, the minister of uh, personnel, uh, a, a government of India, they invite the first three uh, qualified candidates. who have got the first three ranks, first rank right. one, two, three. They invite them over uh, a breakfast or lunch in North Block, Delhi. So that's the first time when we, we three of us, uh, two of us met for the first time was second day after the result. At so directly, so you had your first meeting with the prime minister. Uh, we, we had the first meeting with the uh, minister of uh, personnel, Mr. Jitendra Singh. Yeah, I see. At his office, at his office, at his office. So uh, that's where we met for the first time. And we sort of, uh, I think, started... Uh, uh, became friends probably at that very moment. We exchanged our numbers and met later on. Uh, I happened to go to her house also that day itself in mm -hmm. connection. And then we kept in touch and I think within a month or so, then we started sort of dating. Yeah, yeah so then, it was love, love at first sight or love yeah. at the first few sights. <laughs> I think love at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so happy and delighted uh, for both of you. Um, and also this like this process of meeting this minister and prime ministers is uh, such an apt reward for uh, the copious amounts of uh, uh, work that you all put in to get it. Indeed. So that's Indeed. awesome. Indeed, it makes you feel very special the first time and uh, that probably you've done something. Though the, the, the feeling later on subsides gradually, but... But still a precious one regardless. Um, so, um, 
as as we as we move along so you described uh, this foundation course plus other stuff that goes on at lb at uh, this lal bahadur uh, institute um tell me about uh, how the how if at all it prepares you for uh, the posting and uh, how is what you're doing today related to or like how are you trying to actually fulfill yes, these yes. as a civil servant I'm sorry, I think we missed a little bit here. Because I was telling you there are four parts of the training. The second part yeah. of the training is phase one of the training, which is uh, which takes place in the uh, different academies. So police, uh, the training for IPS and police service would be in the police academy. The administration service, the training is in Masuri itself. So in here, uh, the training is more focused on uh, what we are going to do on ground. It's about say we about the revenue laws it's about the health it's about education it's about public works it's about the general administration it's about say policing and law and order it's about uh, child welfare and social welfare so all all there are different modules in this in this uh, second part of the training which we are taught to us and they are more related to our job profile per se and then the third part of the training is called district training we are actually sent to the district and uh, we are uh, assigned to uh, one of the um, districts as an assistant collector in india we have the system of districts so every state has a number of districts and each district is headed by uh, an official called a district collector or district magistrate so that district collector is one point uh, person in a district so he has to look after the law and order he looks after the uh, say uh, public works that are going on he looks after the uh, health he looks after education he looks after the land revenue he looks after implementation of law and order uh, so uh, he has n number of activities so he's a one point person in in a district who does all those activities so we are assigned to one of the collectors as an assistant collector so for one year we assist him we see what he does how the thing how do the, the things work in a district uh, we also given some independent charges like for like a bdo assistant which are slightly subordinate uh, positions to a district to to a district collector so we get to know how how each and everything functions in a district how is the ground on ground how the policies are implemented how are how is law and order maintained Okay, how are how revenue disputes uh, settled? Uh, okay, how, how 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 what is the machinery? How does it work? How will the finances work out? Work so that training goes for another uh, around uh, one year in the district. So this is this part of the training is actually which prepares for us for what we are doing right now. Oh, that's awesome! Your role seems a lot like uh, a CEO on the ground, like but like who's responsible not for dollars but for somebody who's welfare of the people. It's a. It seems like a very execution-centric role. Is that right? Yes, it is. It, that's right. The job is more about implementation. It's uh, uh, so in say for example, right now I am a sub-divisional magistrate or a sub-divisional officer. So every district again will be divided into a couple of sub-divisions. So the first posting we get is as, is as an SDO, sub-divisional officer. So the uh, hierarchy would be like this. So in a state, there would be a number of districts, and in every district, there would be a number of subdivisions. And the first portfolio that we hold is that of a subdivisional officer. And uh, in as a, as subdivisional officer, our role is again multifaceted. In a subdivision, which would roughly be around hundred uh, thousand people or so, or maybe in some places two hundred thousand people in in a subdivision. In main in, in a subdivision, so my role would be to ensure 
say law and order is maintained in that subdivision so i work as a magistrate also my uh, work work is also as a revenue uh, uh, presiding officer of a revenue court so there's a revenue court in which land disputes are uh, instituted and i have to decide those revenue uh, revenue cases so as a law officer also the other role is that of say ensure, ensuring education in schools is good ensuring that the health services are good ensuring that whatever public works are being uh, taken uh, undertaken in that subdivision they are done to uh, in a well quality i have to go and check keep on checking them examining them i have my role is also to ensure that say pension benefits which are being given to the people they are uh, being uh, delivered properly to ensure that uh, we we have uh, this national food security act under which food uh, uh, ration is is given to people is given to different people i have to ensure that the delivery of that is again again smooth and seamless similarly when we have an election so uh, i uh, an sdo subdivisional officer is works as a returning officer he is the one who conducts the election in that particular constituency so again it's a multifaceted job that that one has to deliver now it seems like a really complicated execution heavy job um do you get to engage with the central government at all and uh, who forms policy in india because uh, for a lot of uh, people are thinking of making careers in public policy they want to understand uh, uh, this question whether it happens at the state level at the central level both when will uh, when will the work that you do actually translate to policy uh, changes policy making at the central government level another is at the state government level uh, now uh, the the catch here is whether the policy is been uh, made by the central government or the state government it is implemented in a block it is implemented in a subdivisional officer so uh, while as an sdm or an sdo one does not have a direct role in policy formulation but uh, the the whole the key it's the key part of policy implementation in, in, in implementation in our country so we we uh, before uh, formally taking a charge in a subdivision we are given a three month tenure with the central government uh, as assistant secretaries to the government of india where we get an uh, little exposure to how policy formulation is done how uh, different policies are made what is philosophy behind those policies how things are expected to work at that level because in india i think the major source of funding for different programs is government of india and those policies are made largely for the entire populace of the country for entire and for all the states and union territories of our, of our country so the, the those three months of our uh, uh, before coming to the state joining back in the state formally as as officers those three months are um, give us an opportunity to understand uh what all is going on uh, during that policy formulation phase and then when we come to subdivision or a district as a subdivisional officer we we get to implement those policies and one could relate to this now uh we're coming towards the last part of the interview and while it's not possible to go into all aspects of your work let's pick the one aspect that you mentioned in the earlier part of this podcast which is education mm-hmm. i know that you're deeply involved in the education space uh, you spoke about it when we were together giving that tedx uh, in in rajasthan um how is it that as an ias officer uh, you are trying to 
change the education paradigm that you didn't like very much when you were in high school or school? Uh, um, there's one unfortunate fact, unfortunate part of uh, fact about uh, our country is that uh, the quality of education, the access to quality education is not to everyone. We have some of the finest education institutions both schools and colleges but again that that they are accessible to only say five or ten percent of our population similarly uh, what has happened in past few uh, past couple of decades in fact is that there's been a lot of privatization of education in our in our country more than i think 30 40 percent of our children they go to attend they attend private schools and these though some of these private schools they impart fairly decent quality of education but they are very costly and it's not possible for uh, every person, especially the ones who are in the lower rungs of our society, to send their children or their kids to these private schools. That, um, again, leaves the role of our government institutions, government schools or public schools uh, extremely important. Uh, so what I saw was uh, the first day, uh, the first few days when I joined as the SDM or SDO in the place where we're presently working, I spent a little time visiting... Which place is this? It is, it's a place called Badnor in district Bilwada uh, of Rajasthan state. So the state is Rajasthan, the district is Bilwada and the subdivision is Badnor. Right. So, uh, but uh, when I, when I visited those schools, uh, I think I was, it was, I was pained quite a lot that uh, we, we, we had, while we are discussing uh, on social media and places about the pedagogic techniques when we are discussing whether you know our education is making us productive or less productive when we are having this lot of discussions at a philosophical level and in those schools we do not even have our basic uh, facilities for example the basic the least one could expect is a decent place to sit on decent uh, say a, a small bit of furniture and in the in those schools um, i couldn't find even some basic furniture Teachers were there, the classroom was there, but the, the, the condition of those classrooms was, was not good at all. So the first thing which I uh, started to focus on was trying to improve this basic infrastructure in, in those classrooms. At least make those classrooms look a little bit more cleaner, have a, uh, some basic furniture available in those schools. And then again, uh, uh, what happens is that at, at my level as an SDO, we don't have special funds uh, at our discretion so the fund that's the is usually a budgetary process which happens annually so i do not have any funds available then i tried to uh, employ this crowdsourcing technique what we did was we selected two schools in my subdivision we got some money from our own pocket and from some teachers and some whoever could contribute and we sort of uh, modified those two schools we put some better uh, slightly better furniture devise some low cost furniture and some carpets and uh, some little paint in in these two schools and then invited many other people in from the locality to to those two schools and those people were really happy to see what we had done and they came forward with their contributions with their donations and uh, with that donation we finally uh, i think over a period of a few months have been able to provide these basic uh, improved classrooms basic furniture to around 6,000 kids in that subdivision. So this was the first thing we started with. The second thing we worked on was on uh, teachers. Uh, what we realized that uh, the, the place where I'm posted right now, this place uh, 
it's uh, this the so- social issues are quite huge bilwada district uh, district per se has one of the highest incidence of child marriage in the country still uh, say uh, dobri dobri deaths a uh, lot of uh, superstitious activities they 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 keep on going there and i, I remember just a few months back there was one 8 month year old kid he, he was suffering from pneumonia and the parents did not take him to the hospital to be cured they actually did a little bur- they burnt his belly with hot wire it's called a dam and dam or dag here so that and so that he 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 could be cured so these are uh, such horrific um, things which people still practice so and, and 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 these things are very much closely related to lack of education in the area so that's why we thought the next part is that to ensure that somehow we build this community and bridge between the community and schools and uh, we used uh, the teachers uh, for this that uh, what what we had seen was during my visits that in some places the schools were doing really good say in uh, in a loca- in an area of around 5 square kilometers there would be four schools and out of those four school one school was doing really well the teacher kids were doing a lot of activity they seemed to be more confident uh, we could see the, the campus was a little cleaner classrooms were cleaner and uh, on looking at it deeper we realized that the teachers who were posted there they were motivated enough and the teacher was the most important catalyst in this whole whole activity whole work so that's when we started to work on teachers we tried to work on this idea of teacher leaders so uh, the teachers who could not only who realized that it's their job is not only teaching certain mathematics or science to kids but also to Uh, uh, build a bridge between people and the, the, the students and school and the community, and also to take the responsibility of improving the school. And this has helped us a lot. We have done a lot of nudging activities with those, those teachers. We did a lot of surveys with those teachers, try to understand what what the problems they are facing. And uh, from administratively, we try to help them out as much as we can. At the same time, we also uh, implemented a couple of. uh campaigns one campaign was exclusively to combat the menace of uh, child marriage which is in the area so we went from one village to other village uh, spoke to people there about the law which is in our country about the ills of child marriage tried to both use you know all the techniques of uh, 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 say the, the the what we say the threat of law as well as motivate that they should not do it uh similarly we also launched the awareness campaign about uh this uh, about health awareness why the the the, the superstitious activities like this dam and other things they should not be done and i think over, uh, in the past few months it has it has uh, the the impact has been largely visible very few child child marriages uh, were reported in the last season i think uh, of, of, we did not receive even a single in the last last few months Uh, similarly the uh, other superstitious activities like this dam dog and uh, they they have also on, also gone down i mean this explains the complexity of uh, bringing about any kind of change in the country i mean uh, just so inspired to have you on our podcast and uh, you know like we are just so lucky to have uh, uh, dynamic civil servants is officers like you and uh, this podcast uh, as i will go out to hundreds of thousands of people will be deeply inspired by what you do why you do and how did you basically repivot from an engineer trying to do what he was um, thinking about or trying to follow one path to really 
uh, committing his life to making a difference. It's really been a pleasure, Atal. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you so much.